in today's show. We're recapping the action from Wednesday in the NBA. There's quite a bit. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, in the game. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We've got seven games to talk about and quite a bit of news to get through as well. So we might as well get into it now, Warnie. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Obviously, we heard the news about the Jar Morant suspension. Eight games retroactive to the six that he has already missed, which is a little bit of bullshit, I think. I have not watched the Jar Morant interview apology. I don't actually, I don't care. Like, I don't care what he says. I know it's going to be just managed PR stuff. Um, I don't care. Hopefully that this wasn't just all a show and this short counseling trip um, wasn't just nonsense. Hopefully he does actually yeah, change some of the things that got him into trouble here. But what I do know is that he's out for two more games, which will mean that he is eligible to return on Monday. Now, the Grizzlies haven't said this, but they've basically said this, that he won't play on Monday, that he'll come back, he'll have to get back with the team, he'll have to do a little bit of conditioning stuff, and he'll be available for their game after Monday. So, don't expect that he plays on Monday. He is eligible to play on Monday in that game against the Mavericks on Monday, but it's most likely that he returns Wednesday against the Rockets. They've all but ruled him out of Monday, even though he is eligible to return. So we still roll with Tyus Jones, even though he wasn't particularly good the last couple of games. Um, We still roll with him for the Friday, Saturday back-to-back and keep him for the Monday. There's a three-game in four-night stretch coming up. But he will be back. That will hurt, obviously, your mate Dylan Brooks. It'll hurt everyone's usage because Morant is Morant. And he'll be back for Wednesday's game. For the Pacers, Duarte and Matherin are out. Halliburton, Turner, Heald, McConnell are all questionable. So there still could be some really big opportunities there. I already like with Duarte and Matherin out, Nora and Neesmith get a boost. Um, and then if these other guys are out, you're going to get a lot of Isaiah Jackson. You're going to get um, a bunch of different players. Nembhard's going to be huge as well. So there are some real short-term opportunities potentially happening. For the um, for the Indiana Pacers, for the um, Bucks, Grayson Allen is out again, and Brooke Lopez popped up as questionable. If Lopez is out, we're looking at Bobby Portis. With Grayson out, you get a little bit of Joe Ingles in there, and you get some Javon Carter streamability. Jaden Ivey will return for the Pistons. Um, he's listed probable. People ask, does this mean it's the end of Killian Hayes? I don't believe so. I think Hayes Hayes has been useful with Ivy plenty of times this season. So I think we'll still roll with Ivy well, with Ivy and Hayes. Hayes is actually, on a permanent basis, a better producer than Ivy in category fantasy leagues. Uh, I think we have both of those guys. Um, Isaiah Livers is out, and Boyan Bogdanovich remains out, as does Alec Burks. No update on how long they're going to be out. I just think we should rule out 
Bogdanovich and Burks for this week and for next week. I, I honestly don't think they're playing again this season, but um, they won't tell us, which is frustrating. But with Livers out, with Bogdanovich out, with Burks out, we've got Magruder, Rocket Rodney. Rocket, 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 we can't think. We can't think. Right. Come, on, come on, come on, come on. You've got Eugene Omarui, who's into that spot as well, and just a bunch of nonsense, like Wiseman and Duran, and a whole bunch of weird stuff is going to happen with these Pistons guys. I can assure you. We did get an update on Carl Anthony Towns. It doesn't really tell us anything. It's a non-update update. It's like he's going to be back within a couple, the next couple of weeks or the next few weeks. All right, cool. So we still don't actually know how long he's going to be out after their, that initial four to six week timeline is now three plus months. Um, it's just really hard to consider him a hold. Like he wasn't a hold as soon as we heard that injury uh, or that yeah, updated three month situation. You had to move on and you still have to move on. We also got somewhat of an update on Wiggins, but still nothing. We hear that maybe he's out for the season. Then Bob Myers said, I haven't heard anything to suggest he's out for the season, but he's still you know, with our entire support and he's back when he's back. So they say something, but they don't tell us anything. Wiggins isn't a good enough fantasy player to hold through the uncertainty. He's just not. So move on. We also got an update from the Warriors that Andre Iguodala is undergoing surgery for a wrist fracture. That'll end his regular season and probably a big chunk of the playoffs if they happen to make it as well. Not that that matters much for fantasy, but his 10 minutes or so will have to go somewhere. So maybe it's a couple of minutes for Kaminga, who's already looking all right here with Wiggins out too. Um, and it's a couple of minutes maybe to a Patrick Baldwin or a Moses Moody there in the, in the second unit. We've got somewhat of an update on Rob Williams. They're saying in the next week or so, so obviously that's the end of this. He's not playing this week, and then maybe next week, but who knows? It's a hamstring. He's an injury-prone guy. We don't know when he's going to return. Very, very hard to hold. And when he comes back, I'd imagine they'll be pretty limited on his minutes, suffering a hamstring injury, not worth the hold. And there was something that came up a lot because people were complaining a lot, and people always complain. They say, where's this happening? And I wanted to get something straight. I tweeted about this. I actually posted it on YouTube as well. People are under this misconception that Yahoo has a rule where when a player misses three games, they get the INJ tag. Now, I'll, I'll state this again. You should not use IL. You should use IL plus every single time. There shouldn't ever be a situation where you are penalized in excess of having the guy who's on your team not playing games, but not being able to make roster moves or put them into the IL slot because you're waiting for the status to be updated, waiting for a human to go through and make some sort of judgment call at some point to make that decision. IL plus, as soon as they're injured, you just move them in there. It's simple as that. Really easy stuff. And that's the thing that I don't like is having that part where it's like, well, how come you did this one at this point and this one took two hours longer and this guy did this and this. It's putting something that can impact your ability to win in the hands of a subjective call by somebody else. That's why I always believe in IL+. But there is a common misconception that Yahoo gives people the injured tag to put them into IL after they miss three games. And that is not true. It will appear that very, very often a player misses three games and then they get the INJ tag. But their rules, which are very clearly written, and if you go through the Yahoo Fantasy CC Twitter account, you will see them reply to people many times saying this. A player needs to be out for seven plus days, seven, more than seven days, or projected to be out seven or more days. And then they get the INJ tag. So there'll be players like Charles Bassey. He's already got the INJ tag he's out for the season. So we know he's missing seven plus days. Kyrie Irving got the tag today after the game because there was a quote from Kyrie, and I haven't put this in the, in the news here, but I'm going to talk about it now. But Kyrie said today before the game, yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit longer than expected to heal, which to me rules him out of Friday's game, which then takes it past seven plus days. And that's why he got the INJ tag. Why did Luca get it beforehand? Well, Luca actually got injured 
two two days before Kyrie did, even though they both missed the same game, which was the Saturday, the 11th, I think it was, Luca actually got hurt two days before in his game. So that's when his seven-day counter started. And that's why he was able to get that INJ tape. People were complaining about Jalen Brunson. Oh, he's missed four games in six nights. So that's, that's three games missed. Why hasn't he got the tag? Uh, again, I don't know why this misconception started. I believe there was one Yahoo tweet, which was incorrect based on their own rules and every other one of their tweets saying, no, nah, it's, it's seven days or three games, which is just not true, right? So I don't know why I felt so obliged to bring this up, but I hear it all the time. People complain to me all the time about it. People say, why isn't this happening? I don't know. I don't work for Yahoo. I think the INJ system and the IL plus system is terrible and it just shouldn't exist. You shouldn't use it. You should use the other one. But there is that common misconception that it's three games. And a lot of the time, seven days out and three games is the same thing. And if you are, say, played, there's three games and it's five days and then your next game is not until the eighth day, you will get the INJ tag because you are not coming back within seven days. That's how they do it. It's a weird system. I know that. And there's a lot of ambiguity and personal choice in them delivering it. Again, why we shouldn't have it. But their rule is, and if, if they break, it's not my problem. It's not my fault. I don't know why they do it again. That's why we don't want someone in there making that decision, which impacts fantasy leagues fairly or unfairly. We don't want that. But their rule is seven plus days, seven or more days out or projected to be out. And then they get that tag. That is the rule. It's as simple as that. There's no written rule ever of three games played. It's seven days. You don't have to have been out seven days. You just have to be expected to have been out to be out seven days. That's all it is. And I hope that clears it up. And I know it won't. And I know people will argue against me. I don't make the rules. I don't enforce the rules. I don't give a shit about the rules. In general, I, I don't, my leagues don't have IL. They have IL plus. So it doesn't worry me. But just again, I think it is important to know before everyone starts complaining about it that that's how, that's how they're actually operating. And it gets very confusing. And again, don't use IL. Today's episode is brought to you by Basketball, Ultimate Basketball, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. That's the name. If you've dreamed of becoming an NBA GM, and you have because you play fantasy basketball, well, your dreams come true. This game is for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the coaches and the assistants, trading players, training players, making your draft picks, and navigating your franchise all the way from free agency to the draft through to the end of the season, hopefully winning yourself a title. It's a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want, when you want to. Locked On Fantasy Basketball listeners also get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. You can scan the code that's up on your screen or go to the App Store and search it up. It's probasketballgm.com. The game is Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, the games. First game, Sixers, Cavs. First one we're going to look at here. Um, Philadelphia gets the victory pretty easily. In the end, it got a little bit close, but it was pretty easy in the end. 118-109, Embiid was great. 38 minutes, 36-18, and 18, four blocks, two threes. 63 from the field, 10 of 10 from the line. He's the number one player over the last week. He's number two in fantasy points leagues. He's number two in category leagues. Was a little bit of a slow start for Embiid. Remember how disengaged he looked through October and start of November? And it was issues with conditioning and his foot. He's dominating now. Huge numbers. Jim Harden was pretty good as well. 40 minutes for Jimmy. 28, 6, and 12 with three steals. He's up to number eight for the season in category leagues. And Maxi was also pretty good with his shooting. 35 minutes, 23 points, five threes, 57% shooting. 
Both hit both of them from the line, but no defensive stats. We know the issues with Maxi, and they were on display here. We also saw the issues with DeAnthony Melton, who went scoreless in 15 minutes and had Shake Milton play minutes over him. 21 minutes for Milton, 11 points with three threes. 15 minutes for Melton. That's DeAnthony. With DeAnthony Melton's up and down. Now, before today's game, he was 70th over the last week. After today's game, 139th. The minutes are all over the place. The production is all over the place. He gets good games and bad games. If you're in a more stable position, you can probably hold because there is some okay numbers here. But when you're desperate, it's so hard to know what we're going to get on a game-by-game basis that makes it hard to label him as a must-hold. The Thick Hogsman, Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Um, another struggle. Seven points, 31 minutes, five rebounds, 29%, 222nd over the last week. In fact... That's an unwanted Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. Um, he is a hold because they've got pretty good schedule the rest of the way. But the way it's trending, even his per game numbers, like in a 10, eh, I reckon you might consider dropping in a 10 team league. The schedule does help though. It helps hold him. But he is, he's nowhere near what you need him to be to be a 10 or 12 team league guy. I think there could be a turnaround, but I'm not sure. For the Cavs, there was no Jarrett Allen, so they started Lamar Stevens. He played only 12 minutes. They just went a lot smaller, so a lot more Karis LeVert, a lot more Chetty Osman. Osman played 30 minutes and had 15 and 5 with three threes, while Dracaris LeVert was great. Dracaris. 24, 3 and 6 with five threes and 57%. Now, I do not, for a single second, trust Karis LeVert, Karis, trust Karis LeVert at all in terms of efficiency or even role or usage. This was great. And unexpected considering Mitchell and Garland both played. But I think when Allen comes back, that's just not going to be possible for him to play 36 minutes. Roll with it. He looks good. But also remember, he's 175th for the season for a reason. Mitchell had 21 and 6 with three steals in 40 minutes, while Garland shot poorly. 15 points, two rebounds, five assists on 35%. Uh, Mobley was all right, 13 and 12 with a couple of blocks, while not much else really happened. Okoro did very little, and rookie Rubio was allegedly. Officially available, but they said they weren't going to play him. Why you wouldn't just rule him out, I have no idea. But they went with Hull Neto as the backup. Four points in 13 minutes for old mate Hull. The Memphis Grizzlies. The Miami Heat. The Heat win it easily. 138-119, the final score. Jaron was pretty good. 28 minutes, 25-9. and nine, Four threes, two steals, a block. We already talked about Jar returning. And then Desi Bain got um, ejected. 22 minutes for Baino. 11 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists and a steal. 36% shooting is rough. He got a flagrant too. I don't think he's going to get suspended. But you never know. Luke Kennard, 14 points in 4 threes in only 20 minutes. It's really good from Kennard, but we honestly can't trust that either. Well, Dylan Brooks, even with no Morant and Bain getting ejected, 7 points, 7 shots. Really, really bad game. He's not worth a 12-team roster spot. I still think Tyus Jones is. 11, 4, and 5 in 28 minutes. Hold him until Jar returns. What we do with Xavier T. Ilman, though, is a little bit up in the air because he's fallen way off. 8, 3, and 3 in 23 minutes. They're running with basically Jaron at center a lot of this time. They're giving some minutes to Aldama, but Tillman is teetering. I think you probably still can hold, but I'm losing faith. And then I thought they were going to be really big into David Roddy, considering how well he'd played the last two games. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Yeah, they, uh, they just didn't use him. They, they just used um, uh, Johnny Concha. They used... Um, who else did they use? Oh, Santi Aldama in his place. They used Zaire Williams. 
Roddy played 18 minutes and had eight points on 29%. Now, he was shooting way over his head. But I thought, given how well he played, like they didn't play him at all in the first quarter, which is just bizarre coaching. I don't think Roddy is a good player. I don't. But he was playing well. And I would have thought that you at least... It's not like he played poorly and they dragged him. They just didn't play him until later in the game, which, again, doesn't make sense. Aldama didn't do much, 5, 4, and 4, while Williams had 12 points in 12 minutes and Lofton played 12 minutes too. But again, blowout stuff, giving those guys that extra playing time. So if you did stream in Roddy, RIP, didn't work out. Again, we've got to try and use what we understand. Hey, look at this guy. He's playing so well. They traded Dan through Melton to get this guy in. Look at the form he's putting up, cutting into minutes, and we still got low two more minutes. We just didn't see Roddy, and I don't really get it. For the Heat, they didn't have to play big minutes. Only 28 for Jimmy. 28, 6, 23, 8, and 6, two steals and a block. Adebayo, 26 and 8 with three blocks is really strong. And um, Tyler Hero had 24, 4, and 6. So strong games from the big three there. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. Um, what about the point guards? 22 minutes for Vincent. 20 minutes for Kyle Lowry. Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon. That just makes it impossible to use either of them. 10 points for Vincent with two steals. 8, 4, and 4 for Lowry in 20 minutes. After the weirdness of playing him 36 minutes in his first game back, Lowry, he just hasn't played really much at all in those other couple of games. And they also made other curious rotation decisions because Victor Oladipo didn't play a single second. Not injured, just out of the rotation. And that meant that Max Struess, who'd played under 20 minutes last game, played 33 here. Struess had 12, 2, and 6. So that uncertainty between Vincent, Lowry, Struess, Struess, Duncan Robinson even, who played three minutes, Victor Oladipo makes it really hard to look at any of those guys as 12-team league players. It was a solid enough game from Caleb Barton, two threes, two steals. He brings that relatively often. And he's getting the starters minutes despite coming off the bench. No idea why Kevin Love continues to start. No idea why they bother with this. It doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. He played 18 minutes and had 10 points with three threes. He is not a 12-team league guy yet. He's still rostered in 28% of 12-team leagues. Let's go on to the next game. We're looking at the Boston Celtics and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Some uh, some weird stuff at the end of this game. Yeah. Joe Mazzulla basically just running onto the court. Like, okay, Joe, get off. What are you doing? The Celtics went at 104-102. Jalen Brown, 37 minutes, 35 and 10 with five threes. He was excellent here, while Tatum struggled again. 22 and 12, two steals a block. He took a heavy fall as well on this one, Tatum. Shot 25% from the field. At least he was able to go 14 of 16 from the line. Derek White, only 25 minutes. That's pretty curious without Rob Williams and the fact that they dusted off Grant Williams, who had just been out of the rotation. Derek White, I don't know why the minutes fluctuate so much. Look, the line's not bad. 9, 3, and 4, 3, threes, a steal, two blocks. It's still really useful for fantasy. But he should be getting 33 a night every night, and I don't get why he doesn't. I don't understand Sneaky Joe Mazzulla's rotations a lot of the time. As for Grant Williams, lucky he played 26 minutes because he was a minus four and had two points. So that's sick. That's pretty good coaching. And Brogdon had 12 and six. Not bad. Marcus Smart, again, he, he can't do anything. Now, to be fair to him, he couldn't hit any twos prior to today. He was at 25%, but he hit 57 of them. Still ended up with nine points on 33% shooting with five assists and two steals. But he's really struggling. I would hold Marcus Smart. But it's just obviously tough to deal with these struggles. Horford was really good. 11-3-5, one steal, two blocks. But he's only got one more game left this week. Because so they do have a double-double. Uh, double-double. That's not what they're called. He, they do have a back-to-back. So he's only got one more game. So while that's a good game, there is a risk of maybe him just holding up a little bit too much in that roster spot. For the Wolves, you can see that Edwards and Kyle Anderson, well, you can't see, but I, you probably know, they got ejected in like the final minute. No worries with them moving forward, I don't think. 
Goose played 38 minutes. He had 28, 10, and 7. Anthony Edwards. No defensive stats, which is a little bit frustrating, but we love the um, we love the other production. The free throw is not that good. While Anderson, again, continues to get it done. 15, 7, and 8, two blocks, and should be rostered. Rudy Gobert played 29 minutes, 15, and 6. Not his best game, and he was rough from the line. While Nazareth Reed, the Wizard of Nas, 15 and 6 in 19 minutes for him. That's a really good game, but I don't want a backup center playing 19 minutes on a 12-team roster. That is really good, but there's just too much downside risk to consider that as an ad. Conley was a pedestrian, I'd say. 7, 5, and 2. If you are in a 10-team league, I don't think you have to hold Mike Conley. He's fine. He's, at, he's I think you probably do in a 12, but I'm not convinced. In a 10, uh, no problem dropping. McDaniels had 14 and 5, 33 minutes. Just another stereotypical stock standard jaded McDaniels game. Just always the same stuff. He's always the 130th best player. Just what he always seems to be every game. Every game the same. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilpa. It is Built March Madness. And you can go to builtmarchmadness.com and you can enter your bracket for your favorite flavor of Built Bar. It's not just the simple joy of choosing your favorite flavor. It's also prizes that you can win. 50 locked on listeners are going to win a box of Built Bars just by entering their bracket. One lucky locked on listener is going to win a 12-month subscription to Built Bar. Every month, a delivery of Built Bars to your door. Unbelievable. All you've got to do is go to builtmarchmadness.com. Check out all the great stuff, all of the options they've got there as well. But fill in that bracket. Do it once a day. You can do it. Get your entries in that many times. You can also buy boxes while you're there. And understand that these are the best tasting protein bars ever. 100% real chocolate covering, low in calories, high in protein. I'm not really sure what more you could ask for. So go to builtmarchmadness.com. Grab those built bars. Get your entries in. And maybe you're going to be swimming in built bars for the next year. Built Bar is built different. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA season, the NBA playoffs are almost here. And it is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line, point scorers, even three-pointers drained. If we have a look at some of tomorrow's games, the Pistons are 12.5-point underdogs. Probably seems like it's too close, to be honest. Yes, the Nuggets need a win and they've lost four straight, but the Pistons are dreadful and the Nuggets should steamroll them by 30. We will see what that is, but the 12.5 is a decent line and it's still not big enough to take care of the Pistons. FanDuel also lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with their same game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go on to the next game. The Sacramento Kings somehow, somehow win against the Chicago Bulls. Man, the Bulls find many ways to lose. The Kings find every way to win. Thanks to De'Aaron Fox, who again was unbelievable. Game-winning shot. The Kings almost gave this game away with a uh, foul on DeRozan, and then King, uh, Fox comes back and gets them the victory. 33 minutes, 32-3-1, four threes and two steals. He's been amazing. Someone tweeted at me, hey, why is no one talking about De'Aaron Fox for most improved player? And I looked at him and went, eh, eh. And I thought, no, like he wasn't that good last season. In fact, he had one of his worst seasons. And now... He's like legitimately in the conversation and probably is going to make an all-NBA team. He's been amazing. 
Sabonis only scored 14, only took 10 shots, but had 17 rebounds, 10 assists, a steal, and a block. He was strong too. And it was time for a good Malik Monk game. 19 and 4, 5 threes, three, yeah, five threes, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. We've talked a lot about how the Kings have got this really, really strong schedule coming up. And if you're going to go with Monk, you've got to persist with it because there'll be good games, there'll be bad games. You just got to hope the good games outweigh the bad ones. Well, hopefully you added today and got the benefit of this good one. Keegan Murray, if we're just strictly looking at value, he's not a rosterable player. But again, the schedule leans towards him being that. 30 minutes, 9 and 10 with two threes. He's really, really struggling at the moment, but the volume of games goes in his favor. And the same goes for the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 17, 3 and 1's not that exciting. 9 of 10 from the line is, 3 of 10 from the field's not. But the volume of games compared to other teams, they've got one of the best schedules. I think the second best schedule over the next seven or eight days is the Kings. The Magic is first, and then it's the Kings. And that gives you that value. Same as Fanta Pants. 15, 3 and 5 for Kevin Herter in 28 minutes with four threes. Now, Trey Lyles was suspended here, but he will return for tomorrow's game. And he then becomes also a streaming target. With him out, they went to a little bit more of Chimezi Metu. Um, but otherwise, not much change. We've got five random Alex Len minutes for some reason as well. For the Bulls, DeRozan had been struggling, but it's good to see him back on track. 13, 3 and 3. Good from the line, good from the field, two steals. While Levine, who'd been rolling, uh, couldn't get shots to fall. 32%, 25, 5, and 6 for him. They were without Alex Caruso, who'd been playing, and they've been listing him as their power forward. So they decided to replace him with Ayodesumu, pushing DeRozan up to power forward. I thought that was curious, considering they've got Patrick Williams there, who they seem to think is good. Williams still played 25 minutes, but it was a curious call. 25 minutes for Pat, 13, 4, and 2, four steals and a block. We actually love that line. And as long as Caruso is out and the fact that the Bulls have a good upcoming schedule, Williams is a streamer. But if Caruso's back, it's a little bit hard to trust. The same goes for Kobe White, who had 12, 6, and 5, two steals and four threes. He's still really low usage, only seven shots. But the fact that the shots went in and he was able to generate some other stats that aren't shooting numbers is encouraging. I would definitely prioritize White over him. Desumu, who they started, played 28 minutes and had three, one, and four. And he just is not a very good fantasy player. And I would definitely have Williams and White ahead of him. Patrick Beverly almost had a great line. Three points on 14% is bad, but 11 boards, three rebounds, one steal, two blocks is fantastic. And again, no Caruso. Schedule works in his favor. There is value in having Pat Beverly um, on your roster while the Bulls play Friday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. So some pretty strong, like four games coming up in the next seven days, eight days. Yeah, it's a pretty strong schedule and gives them a little bit of a boost there in that situation. Um... I think that's on a Vooch, 20 and 14, but horribly inefficient, 36% from the field. Not much else in that one. Yeah, that's about it for that game. Um, Let's go on to the next game. That's generally where we head to after one game. We go to the next. It's the Lakers losing to the Rockets, 114-110. Really frustrated. That's a terrible loss to the Lakers. Honestly, it might cost them a playoff spot. And I know people will complain. Anthony Davis is so soft. Why wouldn't he play in this game? He wanted to play. But he literally has a stress reaction in his foot still. He's been playing through this injury. They earmarked that he wouldn't um, play in this game. They knew that. I think I think coaching cost them this game, to be honest. I think that they were... Coaching and front office stuff cost, cost them because they knew that Anthony Davis wasn't going to play this game. They knew that Mo Bumble was out. They have an open roster spot and they didn't sign a center. And then the only center, they that's where the front office part comes in. And then the only center they do have they didn't start him in winning Gabriel. They decided to start Rui Hachimura. Guess how that went? The Rockets killed him in the paint. Hachimura and Vanderbilt, no good. 
Five points for Hachimura in 17 minutes. He got benched in the second half. And Winyan Gabriel came in, was a plus 12. Only The only double-digit plus on this team. And the second highest was Lonnie Walker at a plus four in 11 minutes. Gabriel ended up with 33 minutes, six and 14 with two steals. But I think that if he started the game, Wenyan, they might not have gotten that yeah, obliterated in the paint early on as, as much as they did. I think really disappointing coaching and front office stuff here. Vanderbilt, 35 minutes, pretty good game, 13, 10, and 5 with two steals. Of course, you're not adding Gabriel. You're not doing anything different with Vanderbilt because Davis will play next game. I think Austin Reeves should be a 12-team league player, 24, 4, and 7. Plays really well. Better than Dennis Schroeder at the moment. Dennis Schroeder had 16 points. Inefficient, and then two rebounds and nothing else. He just doesn't do anything. Reeves is at least able to do a lot of other stuff. And D'Angelo Russell had 18, 1, and 7. Um, Malik Beasley... We got extra opportunities, so that helped him. 16 points with four threes, but still back to the bad shooting. 35% and nothing else there. No assists, three rebounds. We know what Beasley is, points and threes. At least the extra volume came his way with Davis out, enabling to float through on 12-10. But I'm not convinced that he remains that guy. Well, Troy Brown, eh, still a deeper league guy. Eight points, two threes for him. For the Rockets, cousin Kevin Porter Jr. 39 minutes, 27, 9, and 6. 69% shooting. Giggity. And that's not from the line, 75% from the line. He was really, really strong here. I think Alperin Shingun was good too. And it's good to see Shingun, Porter, and KJ Martin all playing well together. Shingun had 13, 9, and 6 with two blocks, and KJ had 16, 8, and 3 with a steal. Good games from all of those guys. Jalen Green, no, not so much. 11 and 6, 38 minutes, 31%. Jabari Smith Jr., 18 and 6 on 35%, and actually 4 of 8 from the line, which hurts. I don't know why it was so bad shooting from the line, but we saw that really nice string from a string of games from Jabari and then went back to shooting the bed. But at least in a game where he shit the bed, he played 37 minutes and had 18 and six with two threes in a block, which if it wasn't for bad shooting would be actually an excellent game. Now he is going to have plenty of bad shooting nights, but the confidence, the minutes, the usage, that's all the encouraging things here for Jabari and he is still a hold. I don't know that we need to hold Tari Eason though. It's back to the bad old days. 18 minutes, two and five. 20% shooting, fully healthy team, prioritizing uh, Jay Sean Tate. It's been a rough drop-off from Eason. I think you can drop him. If they're going to go back to this um, decision in terms of playing time, and I don't know that they will permanently, but it's been a gradual decline from Eason, apart from last game where he started in place of Shingun. It's been a gradual decline in production and playing time from 30 to 28 to 25 to 21 to 18 minutes not including the start for Shingun. And that's going to, I think, take him out of some of the discussion as must roster. You can still hold. They play Friday and Sunday, two more games this week, and then they've got a Sunday, Monday back-to-back, which is interesting. But if you do want to get someone else in, I, I get it. I think if you drop Eason to get someone Thursday, you'd probably then go and look to reconsider adding him on Friday for a three games in four nights, which makes dropping him pretty pointless just to get one extra game in. That doesn't seem worth it. But I do think that he's now into that. If they're going to run it this way, and it has been trending that direction, if they're going to run it this way, then um, he do, does move into that zone of perhaps being a droppable player. All right, the next game somehow went to overtime. The Mavs, 137, the Spurs, 128. Dallas was without Doncic, Hardaway, and Kyrie. They started a lineup that had Muxy Kleber in there over Christian Wood, but the Crucifix put up a big game. 28 and 13 for Wood, who was questionable heading in. Two threes and a block. Took a lot of shots, went to the line 11 times and hit 10 of them. It's a really, really good game. And that's what he should do. 
uh, I just, I can't trust it. Like, can you? I don't expect Kyrie to play on Friday. I don't think Luke is going to play on Friday either. So there is still another opportunity here for Wood, which is their last game of the week. But I feel really not good about it. Much like, yeah, we can look at that and go, well, yes, look at this. But it was against the Spurs and five players scored 20 points in this game, including Reggie Bullock, who played 46 minutes and had 20 and 13 with six threes and two steals. And I don't feel good at all about looking at Reggie Bullock as an option. I feel, and, and do I feel good about 29 minutes of Dwight Powell where he went 22 and eight? No, I don't. So I'm skeptical about all of those. I feel much better about using Josh Green and Jaden Hardy. Now, Green played 45 minutes and had 21, three and seven with a steal. Shot well, really, really good game from him. And he always seems to step up whenever Kyrie and Luca are out. And Hardy played 38 minutes and had 22, six and four. Shot 29%, but went to the line 10 times and hit nine of them. Really, really good game from him as well. And I think, again, Luca and Kyrie will be out on Friday, and they'll both become streaming options. I feel more confident with Green and Hardy than I do with Powell and Bullock. And Wood should be able to do this, assuming Kidd plays him. Muxy Kleber started and, and did nothing. We're obviously not adding him. 3-2-2. Two, two. Had a bit of a brain fart at the end of regulation as well. And for those of you in deep leagues, they're playing McKinley-Wright minutes. 23 minutes, 11-4-2 with a block. And that's because he's a point guard and he's better than Frank Nilakina and he's getting minutes while both Kyrie and Luke are out. That's just for like your 20-teamers. But don't ignore in those formats McKinley Wright. For the Spurs, well, what the hell lineup was this? Again, it's going to change every game for these dickheads. Trey Jones, Devontae Graham, Romeo Langford, Keldon Johnson, and Sandro Mamakelishvili. So I don't know what to take out of this. I I don't... what What can we do? We had 30... Three minutes from Mamu, 10 and 7 with two threes on 31%. That's not a very good game. And Zach Collins will play next game and Mamu will come off the bench and he'll be a deeper league guy. Malachi Branham had 20 and 5 with two threes and two assists, but Vassell, Sohan, Bates, Diop, Collins will all play next game and they'll take touches away. And he just isn't able to do this. Branham was 332nd over the last week prior to this game. I wouldn't add him. Romeo Langford, 17 and 4. Great, fantastic. Don't care. Not adding. Devontae Graham, maybe he's worth a look. But again, he DNP'd three games ago. 13, 3, and 5 with four threes. Honestly, like I'm not here to tell you I know everything because I don't. I can't foresee the future. In this lineup, it's going to be all over the shop. We've got 23 Blake Wesley minutes. 11, 6, and 4 with three steals. And I wouldn't feel comfortable about streaming anybody. Even a guy I thought was safe in Cater Bates' Diop got late last minute scratched. So I can't even say do this in advance because you just never know what's going to happen game by game with this team and their rotations. We've got 16 Gorgie Jeng minutes. Keldon Johnson, just horrific with your percentages. Never met a steal or block that he's ever fell in love love with. Never wants to get those. But 44% on 25 attempts and then two of six from the line. Kills you. Big usage, bad efficiency. McDermott was red hot last game and had nine points here. It's just too hard to know. And why did Doug McDermott play the the, back-to-back? We try to apply logic and trying to follow patterns with making our decisions. And that's why there's such a conundrum, because you can't do it. You can't apply logic to rotations, to minutes, to who plays when, none of it. There's no continuity, guys are in and out, and it, it's really, really tough to do. So again, if you added Branham today, you loved it. If you added Mamu, you probably didn't. Trey Jones had 13-1-5 and five and played 32 minutes. That's, is that good? I don't know. I mean, it's okay, but will he get 32 minutes next game? Will he play next game? Will he have a mystery illness or bilateral ankle soreness? I don't know. It's very, very hard to look at any of these guys and go, yep, I'm going with them. I feel good about Vassell because I know he's a good player. I feel good about Sohan because I'm pretty sure he's a good player. 
feel good about Kelden if I'm willing to deal with the percentage issues in terms of their roles. But I know they're going to miss lots of games. I know that's going to happen. And I feel good about Zach Collins, but I know they're going to miss games. Everyone else, just random fill-in pieces who it's really hard to pin down and understand when it's actually going to be productive for you. And it's annoying, for sure. On to the last game. The Golden State Warriors lose to the Clippers, 134-126, but not because of Steph, because he was great. 39 minutes for Steph, 50 points, 8 threes, 6 assists, 2 steals. Weirdly, 2 or 4 from the line, but he shot 71% from the field, took 28 attempts, and hit 57% of his threes. Just an amazing game. Unfortunately, everyone else sucked. Jordan Poole played only 25 minutes as they went to Kaminga a lot more in the fourth quarter. He still had 19 points on 55%, but defensively, he's a disaster, and that's they're really struggling in that area. 19 points, 5 assists, while Draymond had 8, 8, and 5, but that's not the story for Draymond because he got his 16th technical foul. And he also got his 6th foul, I think, at the end of that challenge and overturned, much like it was with Embiid earlier on in the day. But anyway, Draymond got his 16th tech, which means he's going to be suspended for the game on Friday unless it is overturned. So he will be suspended if that is not overturned. Kaminga returned and played 19 minutes. Not a good game. 8 points, 80%, no rebound somehow, but... If Draymond is out, as we expect on Friday, I would think that Kaminga gets a significant boost and probably is worthy of having on your roster. Jermichael Green had seven points in 16 minutes, another name to watch for deeper leagues, and Kavon Looney will be a really strong 12-teamer on Friday. He always seems to do much better when Draymond is out. Six points, 13 boards here. Looney's an excellent rebounds guy in general, but he ups his overall game when Draymond doesn't play. Clay had 15-3-2, not a great game from him. When DiVincenzo was okay, but not great. 10-6-3, and 3-2-3. Three, three. We still roster DiVincenzo for now. For the Clippers, Kawhi, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 3-3s. Three I wonder if this game on the weekend is the one that he plays on the back-to-back. I, I don't know that, but we want to see that. Paulie George had 24-2-6 with 4-3s. He was very inefficient, George. Usually he's better than that, but not a great game. Well, Zubats was, was good. 30 minutes, 19 and 16. Also, it was a very, very good game from Russell Westbrook. Price of the brick going up. He only played 27 minutes, but he played 23 each of the last two. He was a plus 10. He had 15, 9 and 7, two steals and two threes. Now, he was inefficient, 38 from the field, one of two from the line. But overall, a strong game from Westbrook, who'd really been struggling. Eric Gordon started the second half because Marcus Morris was ejected. 28 minutes for Gordon, 16 points with four threes. The two steals are nice. We don't really look at him outside of very deep leagues. While Mason Plumley, the cockroach, why are we still rostering him? What are, what are we doing? Four and five in 17 minutes with two steals. Surely it's all inactive teams. But he's rostered in 75%, 65%, sorry, of advanced leagues. And I, I cannot, for the life of me, figure that out. He does not need to be rostered. You need to move on. Terrence Mann barely played in the first half, but was really strong in the second half. 17, four and three is a very good line. I just don't trust him to get enough minutes regularly enough to be considered anything more than a streamer. Now, on the back-to-back over the weekend, that's really good for Terrence Mann. It's the same for Eric Gordon. The value that is interesting there, especially if Kawhi sits one of them. But as a long-term 12-team league guy, I don't really see how that's going to happen unless they have a real change to the way they run their rotations. The monstrous line of the night goes to Joel Embiid. Oh, the Philadelphia 76ers, your waiver wire line is Reggie Bullock. The young gun is Alperen Sengun, and the dud of the night is DeAnthony Melton. Your top 10 players in category leagues, number one, Embiid, followed by Steph, Kawhi, Harden, Butler, Sabonis, Block, Christian Wood, Kevin Porter, and Bam Adebayo. Top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Number one was Block. A lot of factors went into that. He just got a lot more usage and a lot of players were out, including Hardaway, Irving, and Doncic. 
I don't think he's anything more than a streamer. Kobe White, maybe we stream him if Caruso is out. Dwight Powell, we know all those guys out helped him. And even then, you don't expect that from Powell on a regular basis. Pat Williams is an interesting stream if Caruso's illness keeps him out. Branham, no idea what to make of him. Absolutely no idea what to make of the Spurs. I wouldn't be prioritizing Branham. Green and Hardy come in six and seven. Joshy Green and Jaden Hardy. I do think they're good streams for Friday. Winning Gabriel, one game wonder. And if Davis misses the next game, I think on the 5th of April, maybe we try him again. Pat Beverly, yeah, he's worth having for the short term. And Luke Kennard, probably not. Your top 10 players in points leagues. Number one was Embiid, followed by Curry, Harden, Sabonis, Leonard, Jim Butler, Jalen Brown, Anthony Edwards, Christian Wood, and cousin Kevin Porter. And that, guys, will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.